Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. Today, we explore new methods of hypnosis with Dr. Kritai Neal. What makes Dr. Kritai's hypnotherapy methods unique is that she applies dowsing rods to measure the health of her client's chakras. She also uses the ancient energy healing modalities of feng shui and qigong to help her clients achieve higher resonance in their lives. She teaches her eye health therapy courses and has published books on the subject of energy healing using hypnosis. And with that, Dr. Kwitai, welcome to Merkaba Chakras. Well, thank you, Vaughn. It's so great to finally see you. <laughs> I know we haven't known each other for quite a while, and yeah, I've been in the same room together, in the same Zoom together. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I um, I, I, I love taking your courses, and you know me as a researcher of consciousness and all the different ways in which we can connect to source. Um, I enjoyed many of the ones that I've taken from you. So it is it. It is addictive for consciousness researchers like myself um, to you know, carry on taking so many different courses, but I have completed um, the research that I did uh, in the last 20 years for my book, uh, book two of Buddhist mandalas, and that section has energy healing, which encompasses much of the research foundings that I have found in science and also I have taken courses of in various modalities just to make sure is it is it true like is there profound changes is there ways to connect to consciousness and does it transform lives and so I've taken some of yours I knew I was like oh I have to get a, get Dr. Kwitai on the podcast interview because she's a great teacher um and she makes it very, very fun to learn the modalities in which you teach. So before we dig deeper into your coursework and you've expanded over the years, um, can you tell us your story for how you got into this work in the first place? Because you, you were a regular <laughs> medical doctor at first. No, I'm not a medical doctor. I have a PhD in health education. Okay. I was a professor of health. And so I said, how much time have you got? Which lifetime of mine do you want to explore? <laughs> well, we'll just talk about this lifetime. Um, well, it's a long journey. I wanted to be a medical doctor when I was a little girl. And life is what happens when you have other plans. So from the little town of Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, where I grew up, I went to London University and I studied uh, 
food science and management science. And then I came back to Malaysia to work and um, I was involved in product management and marketing. And then I decided I wanted to go back to school and I went to law school in London. And then from there, I came back to Malaysia. Well, no, from law school, I came to the United States in 1979. And I chose to stay home as a stay-home mom for 16 years and then decided to go back to school. And I got a master's degree in nutrition science and then a doctorate in health education. So all the, all the process was I had this desire to help people feel better. And in the beginning, as I pursue a career in science, I thought about if people would just be healthier physically, that it would be good. Well, then I realized it takes more than physical health to be healthy and then explored into many other dimensions of health, your emotional health, your social health, your in, uh, intellectual health, your spiritual health, and uh, many other aspects. I have a whole class where I talk about the various dimensions of health and what it means to be healthy. So I became a health educator and I decided I wanted to be on the preventive side of health rather than to be the mechanic. I wanted to be the gardener. I wanted to be the healer. I wanted to lay down the ground and nurture and allow ourselves to grow into healthy beings rather than wait for us to be broken, to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And then as I, as I expanded my exploration, and I see you nodding because you went through your own long 20 years of searching different areas. And I think that's what happens. Life is what happens when you have other plans. And so one thing led to another and uh, became a professor um, in health education. And it was good. And I spent many years teaching people how to make choices to have a healthier life, then I realized it's not enough. Why is it not enough? It's not enough just to be healthy. You also want to be happy. So mm. I realized now the work is to not only help you become healthy, I want to help you become healthy and happy. So the pursuit then of happiness. Then I realized, pardon? So the pursuit of happiness, that is... Is it subjective? It's different for everybody. The pursuit of happiness, um, as the Dalai Lama said, I know you're Buddhist and I, I, I'm a student of Buddha, Buddhism. And the Dalai Lama once said, our purpose in this life is to pursue happiness. However, most people misunderstand pleasure for happiness. True happiness comes from a total detachment from the physical and material yearnings. And I realized that in the modern concept of health, you have mind, you have body first, everybody has to look a certain way, you have the physical health, and then that's not enough. If you're not happy and you don't feel happy, and so the whole 
aspect of emotional health. And that too is not enough. Then I realized what is missing is people talk about mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about, nobody does the spirit part. Mm-hmm. You spend too much time going to the gym and working out. And you spend a lot of time in therapy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then you're still not happy, right? As yeah. long as your neighbor has a dollar more than you, you're unhappy. Then I realized that people are rich in many things, but poor in spirit. And that sense of emptiness in the inner spiritual growth. And they try to fill that void, that hole with other things. All the chocolate in the world is not going to fill that spiritual hole where you don't feel good about yourself, where you have no purpose and no sense or direction. So I started redoing this whole idea of health, that you have to first put spirit in your life and the rest will follow. Right. So the question is spirit. Right. Right. So the question about spirit. So, um, I mean, obviously mine is, is the musings of the mind and you know learning something new and all 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 of that and then body like you said is working out but spirit that i i i've noticed that there is um a, a thought process especially in the west when it comes to spirit that if you just go into church that will fulfill that box check why does that not work for everybody because if you start thinking you stop feeling spirituality you know, once I was in a Sunday school, um, there was a long, there was a period of time when, when my husband and I were newly married. He's a lifelong Methodist, and we both went to the same church, me, because I liked the music. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being part of the choir, although I'm not a good singer, but I love the music, and they love my ability to help them raise money. So, <laughs> so they wanted your business acumen. <laughs> My singing abilities were not stellar, but I have other talents. So um, we we would also go to Sunday school in the morning. It was our whole Sunday thing. And, and because we were both faculty members at the university, a lot of the people in the class are also faculty members. So it, it, it makes for a very intellectual conversation. It was rather fun. So this uh, Sunday school teacher asked me a question and she said, today I want to explore the concept of spirituality. <clears throat> what is the difference between religion because we were in the Sunday school at the Methodist church, right? What is the difference between religion and spirituality? And so how about you, Kuitai? Talk about it. And I was, I was just stunned. I said, okay. And quite miraculously, as I opened my mouth, I had no clue what I was going to say. And this is what come, that came out of my mouth. And I put it in my book. I have a section in my book where I talk about religion and spirituality because it's so important in the work we do, um, me and my students, because if you don't believe and you get that, if you don't get that piece right, the rest will be a struggle. You get that piece right, the rest will be very smooth. And, And so I said, spirituality is like the moonlight and religion are the little boxes we make, man-made, 
to, to attempt to capture a moonbeam. And even if you succeed in, in capturing a moonbeam, you have but only one moonbeam. Spirituality is when you throw away the boxes and bask in the moonlight. And in other words, for me, spirituality is, is a day-by-day -day thing, is an everyday thing. It's a sense of knowing your place in the universe, a sense of centeredness, a sense of being grounded. And when you have that, all will be well. And if it's not well yet, it will be. And in the last 16 years of my practicing hypnotherapy with energy medicine, it is evident that every single case I worked with, if I can get them to that place where they are centered, then all is well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very, that's a, that's a very good um good answer and you were young back then too so you're kind of in the hot seat early on i am not coloring my hair anymore i'm six i just got a haircut oh, yeah this is my COVID my haircut be... it's not very even in yeah, my husband my, my husband did it but now i'm able to get get to the hairdresser i said chop it all off and i'm not coloring it anymore yeah, it looks good. I like the hairdo. You know, um, oh, I, you. I, um, I've, I've had many friends um, with many, many uh, spiritual and religious traditions growing up. And of course, they would take me to different, um, to the churches um, that they would go to. And, and I've had those questions. And oftentimes, it's the answer I get is, oh, your friend Vaughn is a very, very nice girl. Please don't bring her back. <laughs> so, ah! <laughs> what is that? Because I asked too many questions. Um, I asked too many questions about things that didn't make sense to me. Um, and so- Well, I and think it's great. I love it when my students ask a lot of questions because <laughs> when you ask a question, you have a very important idea, either to validate it or to refute it. Either way you learn. Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. you get a response to your question you're no longer the same person you yeah grow. yeah good teachers will know how to answer the question if not will know how to refer to right. um to find the the solution but um but you know i found you through taking some of your online eye change therapy hypnosis courses can you explain what makes eye change therapy unique from other modalities well, the notion of eye change therapy came to me because I'm fundamentally a health educator. And my job is to teach you how to make choices that help you become healthier and happier. And I realized that when I got trained in hypnosis and I was doing hypnotherapy, as in most conventional hypnotherapy, they help you sort out one problem or one symptom if you want to lose weight or um, deal with specific issues I find that it's not enough that to me is what I call symptom management so I get you out of your funk I dig you out of your hole now what mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the individual bear in mind by the time a client comes to my office we get to a rut because of 
a function of multiple bad choices we make in our lives. Yeah, compounded. Yes, it's one after another, after another. Mm. And you come to me and I help you sort them out. So you emerge from this pile of entangled yarn and you got out of it and you're stepping out. Now, if I don't teach you how to make choices in the future, it's only a matter of time. You might as well buy a season pass, right? You'll Mm -hmm. be back. You'll be back. Yes. My goal is my clients seldom ever need to come back. And if they do, it's because their life circumstances change and they want to have a refresher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But usually when I work with them, I said, there is no recovery period with my work. You're recovered or you're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you flip either the switch. stepped into the, sh- the your new shoes or you haven't stepped you either You either flip the switch or you don't. So there is no maybe. I do not do test sessions. You come to me, I have a 20-hour protocol. So what the eye change uh, therapy process that came out of my work have three components. The clinical hypnosis part is the quickest way to go in your subconscious is the dumpster diving, cleaning and scrubbing and get you out of the pit. Mm. Fastest way to do it. We don't have to ask why you hate your mother. We just dump right in and scrub out all the emotional garbage that that you have collected in your subconscious. Mm. So that is one big portion. Then the second portion You have to learn how to talk differently. That is my language of change segment of my eye change therapy process. Because if you don't know how to speak up for yourself, somebody else is going to speak for you. If you don't take charge of your life, if you don't lead your life, somebody will lead you. So there's a whole segment of the work after you transformed from your previous life Mm. I will teach you how to be assertive how to assert your new self how to speak differently and how to demand respect from other people right I find that coping skills I find that yes life uh, coping skills and it's it's amazing how so many adults do not have the foundations of basic life coping skills. Right. I never try to be adult. No, you're exactly right. Just because you turn 18 doesn't make you an adult. Just before you, just because you turn 40 doesn't make you an adult. Mm -hmm. How you speak and what you do. Those are the things that will, that will like, they, you know, separate the girls from the women. Right. The boys from the men. Right. And, and, and the first aspect that, that you mentioned about like, let's say you go into the hypnosis and you kind of clean out the gunk. Do you, do you find that most of the, um, the repressed or kind of held down issues that have not been addressed and carry on, are they mostly family related? I mean, what, what have you found in your practice? Well, what's a common theme that you keep noticing with people? Well, the common theme is fear. Fear of what? Fear of all kinds of things. And the emotional energy, my principle is the G 
chi or the energy that drives how we feel, right? The emotion. Mm -hmm. There are only two polarities, plus or minus. Mm -hmm. It's love or it's fear. Mm -hmm. So all the things we feel that we don't feel good about has to come from the basis of fear. And all the things that we feel good about has to come from a place of love. And so when a person shows up in my office and is full of fear, full of anxiety, in my book on page 70, I have an anatomy of, of fear that you can see different degrees of fear will lead you to different things, anger, anxiety, and despair, depression, and then despair. And the more fear, the, the more anxious you become. Mm-hmm. So my job is to be the fear buster, is to help you. And, and yeah, and, and hypnosis is a wonderful tool because we can, we can travel across lifetimes. We can travel in timelines. We can conjure up dead people. And I kid you not, we can conjure oh, yeah. up dead people and resolve old hurts and old issues. You can do all that. And you don't even have to pee in my chair. <laughs> and I don't have to clean up after you. You can do all that in my magical chair. That. But yeah. what happens, and, and, and really the question is, when a person shows up and there's something, something that, that bugs you. So, for example, if somebody wants to uh, come to me for weight loss, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, I can give you the energy equation in less than a minute. You know that. I said, that's not what you come here for. You already are the diet expert by the time you show up in my office. You know what to do. You have tried more things than I could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I said, what I want to work with today is not what you're eating. I want to work with what's eating you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The root cause. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, some, some hypnosis modalities shy away from like really interviewing clients and not Mm -hmm. even hypnosis too. I find that, you know, there's other people who go through dietitians and counseling and so forth, but they don't really interview clients about early childhood traumas or any kind of conditioning. They're not equipped to, they're not equipped to do that. They're not trained to do that. I have a master's degree in nutrition science. There was Mm -hmm. a time where I worked in clinical nutrition and we're not even trained in counseling for that matter. Mm, right? Yeah. Well, we know about nutrition. We know biochemistry very well. We know how to do therapeutic diets, but we don't know how to deal with the emotional aspects of that. Which brought them to that situation. Right. And one right. of the one of the reasons why I walked away from that kind of clinical work was we're not equipped to do that. Yeah. I want yeah. to treat people. You don't want to put a band in. I don't on want them. to treat symptoms. I yeah. want to treat people. Yeah. I want to trans help people transform their lives from suffering into joy, from fear into love, from suffering into into joy. And you can't have joy. That's the one thing for very sure. You can only feel one emotion at a time. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, have you known that people, uh, if they have very bad news, the first thing they do is they get very angry? Yeah. It, they lost somebody. They, they get very angry. angry yeah, there's, there's stages of grief. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but anger 
is a lot easier to bear than grief. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, anger, it's anger is level. more bearable. Anger is more bearable than sorrow mm-hmm. because anger you can go out of your body. Anger is always doing this. Yeah, yeah. Sorrow is internal. Yeah, sorrow you have to bear. Yeah, yeah. Anger yeah. you want to throw at people. Right, right. So we we can only feel one thing at a time. So if I can teach you how to take that emotional energy and flip that switch from fear into love. If, let's say, for example, I worked at a case, um, a medical doctor actually came to see me for anger management. Mm -hmm. He works in the OR. Can you imagine? Yeah. A very angry doctor in your surgical team. Yeah, they're just they're just repressing all of their issues that with the yes. clients and the and the practice right. and right yeah and he was angry at everybody on the surgical team. After we worked through his anger, he turned his energy into compassion. There was this nurse when you know this clinical nurse, a surgical nurse, when he came to see me, he was so angry at her. He wanted to really put her in the blender and turn on the switch. That why? Kind of why was he so angry at her? Well, well, he has other issues. Mm-hmm. So when he worked through his issues, he actually wanted to help this nurse. It turned out this nurse was about to lose her job because she missed too many days. And it turned mm-hmm. out it's because she had cancer and had to go to chemo. So he went to the board to speak in her behalf. Mm -hmm. Then I said, wait, 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 wait a minute. Isn't this the woman you want to put in the blender and turn on the switch? Uh uh And I said, you have just expressed compassion. Mm -hmm. Well done. You're done. You're no longer an angry person. Mm -hmm. Because when you can feel compassion, when you can feel kindness towards another human being, then you don't have to be angry anymore. So in that moment that, that fear flipped into love. Right. Well, you know, it helps to see, it helped for, for him, it probably helped him to kind of see what was the cause of her truancy with work and her instability to be relied on to work. And it was the cancer, well, so. Well, here's the magic. You ask me, what is the underscoring energy? All anger is self-anger. Mm-hmm. Whenever somebody is very angry at you, it's never about you. It's always about them. And so when he worked on his own issues, then it, there's no more need to be angry at other people. When he started to take responsibility for his own actions, for his own decisions, he's able to turn that anger into compassion. Compassion towards himself, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, instead of, blaming himself, how stupid of me to do this and that. Mm -hmm. He's learned to be kinder towards himself. And so he's also learned to be kinder towards his co-workers. And so his life became easier after that. Yeah, that's very, very, very good, um, good lessons. And so compassion works both ways. Compassion works both ways because there's compassion to others. And then there's also compassion to the person that's observing others. So, right. Uh, and 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 I think that's something that people don't not everybody quite understands that it does go back to you as well. You have to have it compassion for yourself. Does. Yeah, it has to begin with the self. 
it, yeah, for yeah. me in the work I do is to teach. Well, I'm basically a teacher and I was always a teacher is I tell my clients, I said, I don't treat you. I teach you how to take care of yourself. And then you won't need to come back to see me. And it's a gift that keeps giving because when you learn, you're going to teach the people around you. Right. When you change, you're going to teach the people around you to treat you differently. Right. So we have that language of change. There's a whole big portion of life skill education, as you put it. Then the third component of eye change therapy is feng shui or the energy medicine part of my work. Mm-hmm. where I would integrate the concept of chi within you and within, within your environment and to teach you how to harmonize within yourself and then harmonize within the environment. So this is the, the third portion is uh, feng shui or energy medicine. And so as you started this talk about wanting me to talk about integrating qigong and hypnosis and, and the chi around us, And that's the piece. And I chose the name I Change. Actually, it's kind of borrowed from the book I Ching. Mm -hmm. I Ching, uh, the book of changes, is over 5,000 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's all about changes and how everything in us, in our environment, within us, outside of us, are constantly changing. At the end of this talk tonight, you and I will not be the same ever again. Because yeah, we're constantly changing. Because yeah. time has passed and we have grown a little older and hopefully a little wiser and hopefully a little happier because we shared energies tonight. Yeah, yeah. I, I always have fun talking to you. You know, the, the thing also, just for those people who are not aware of what chi is, can you explain what chi is for those who want to know what it is? Well, qi is a Chinese word to encompass the energy around us. All life is energy, and energy takes different forms. So in in physics, we have different states of matter. And within each state of matter is energy, and that energy is qi. There is qi inside us. There is chi in everything, in the table, in the chair, in the, in the, in the air, in the water, in mm. all of our environment. And so we carry around within us this bundle of energy called chi, which is our life force. Mm-hmm. For example, let's try this. Put your hands together. Mm, sure. rub. Okay. Right. rub your hands. Rub them until they're nice and warm. And then gradually pull them apart. You feel that your hands still want to pull together, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. Now, now you can just close your eyes and push your palms towards each other. And when you feel the pull, that magnetic pull, just let both your, arm, your palms come together. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that feel good? Yeah. You just experience your own chi. Mm-hmm. For example, you're in business, you are introduced to someone new in your office and you shake hands with him and you get, ew, that, guy's give, that guy gives me the bad vibes. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's a cheese sucker. He's a cheese sucker. Because <laughs> we all carry energies within us and around us and we all vibrate at different frequencies. That's true. 
in meditation, we are cultivating our chi to rise to a higher frequency. Mm-hmm. Anger is very low frequency. Mm-hmm. Jealousy, uh, hatred, all those are, are very low frequencies. Mm-hmm. And so we want to rise above the mundane and get to be higher and higher and higher. So like water, chi finds the, the lowest level. Mm-hmm. So you walk into a room and it's full of chi suckers. They don't even have to touch you. I'm sure you've been to conference rooms or you have meetings where you walk oh, in yeah. and you go, like, oh my gosh, what I'm go to the bar instead. What does happen in there? Or you you shake somebody's hand and you feel like somebody just sucked the bejeebus out of you because yeah. they're cheese suckers. And it's not because they they mean to be. Some people are not even aware that they suck a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And I've been a teacher for a long, long time. Right. So in every class I teach, there'll be one or two cheese suckers in the class. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean. Yeah. And I, I consider that a challenge for me to test my patients. Are they, uh, what are some of the, okay, so in, in your description of chi, it sounds like chi is consciousness because everything is conscious. Everything in creation has an aspect of consciousness in it or source. Consciousness chi. is chi. Con- yeah. It's, consciousness is chi. Yeah. It, the life chi force. Yeah. Chi yeah. is consciousness. Consciousness is chi. I am yeah. chi, whatever you want to call it. It's in Chinese right. we call it chi, but it's basically yeah. the energy force that is in all people and all beings right. in creation. And, and you can go high, all sentiments, you can go high or low. Um, but let me ask you this with, with regards to encountering um, lower, you know, chi energy um, with people who are like very skeptical, very pessimistic, very, you know, um, kind of Debbie Downer kind of. Um, types in their life everybody's going to have that in their life they're going to come across situations where it's not going to always work out really well and so they may be a little bit angry or feel some resistance but isn't the challenge to recognize that early and then use those wonderful life coping skills that you talked about earlier to apply to bring yourself back up to positive chi isn't that the constant thing that we're doing all the time Yes. And the word I use is cultivation. You have to constantly cultivate. Nobody's perfect. And sometimes, you know, like it's not an excuse, but we're human. Look at the word human being, right? Yeah. When you were a baby, right? When you're a baby, you're more being than human. Mm -hmm. Because when you want to pee, you pee, right? How Mm -hmm. old is your child? Mm-hmm. How's your baby? Oh, I have um, I have a five-year-old and I have a two-year-old right now. Well, the two-year-old not so long ago, maybe he's, he or she is not potty trained yet. But no, he's not potty trained yet. Wants, that when the when the baby wants to pee, she or he? He is it a girl? It's he? a boy. Boy. It's a boy. So great. So when he wants to pee, he pees. Does it matter who's in the room? No. Mm-mm. That is, is, is totally free, is in his being, right? Is his spiritual self. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We try to make him human. Very soon you'll say, hey, you can't pee. You can't pee wherever you want. You know, you're no longer in diapers or you go to school and they say, well, you can't pee. You have to wait to go to the little boy's room and so on. When we start telling the child lies, is it true he can't pee? 
No, it's just not socially acceptable. Right. right. We are telling him, but we are telling him you cannot pee. That's not true. He can pee if he wants to. He can just stand there and make a fountain if he wants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, right? Like <laughs> you would not like it. So yeah. what we do is as we grow up, we learn more and more rules that may or may not be true. We hold them to be true because somebody tells us that it is true that the moon is made of green cheese. You know, we used to believe mm. that. Um, and so on until that we have become so human and we have learned so many things that don't work for us. Right, conditioning. You know, just like a child grows up, you keep telling Johnny, you're stupid. Johnny, you're stupid. Johnny is going to grow up believing he's stupid. Right. Or you can say, Johnny, you're smart. You're brilliant. You can do anything you want. And it's a good likelihood. He's going to grow up thinking he can do anything he puts his mind to. We create these beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that's the bad, bad part. But the good part is because we created them, we can uncreate them. Right, right. Let me ask you about that too. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you find in your clients and in your your students' clients in their practices that the common beliefs that people have that, that, you know, like of feeling not worthy, of feeling um, scared of not being able to, you know, take survive or whatever the 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 thing that they are um scared about do you find that that is a form of conditioning that they may have been brought up in their family to believe oh yeah is it from the parents so so a lot of parents just basically um may be lacking some parenting skills that they just kind of unconsciously putting (laughs) conditioning onto their kids and then their kids grow up and then the kids live and try to live adult life thinking that they're not worthy that they're not going to do anything by themselves and they have this constant chip on their shoulder for the rest of their life that they're trying to figure out where did it come from is this the common thing that you that you guys are seeing a lot in that um parenting is a very it's a very scary thing (laughs) number Mm. one children children you know Children didn't get born with a manual that you can refer to, at least by sewing machine. I can look uh-huh. out how to yeah. a needle, right? You have, there's no manual. You, you think Dr. Seuss knew how to raise children? I think not, mm. right? So we, we don't know and we do our best. And yeah, there are things too, you know, I would just say I would rather think that most parents have good intentions, but, mm-hmm. but bad education. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or have you found that sometimes there, some, some of your clients and your students' clients, they have unconsciously picked up these, what we call conditioning patterns that are not conducive to being really happy and healthy um, as they, as they grow older, that maybe their parents also picked it up from their parents who picked it up from their parents. So it's almost kind of like a generational um, unconscious conditioning that's passed down from generation to generation until they found you. And then yeah, you're like, yeah. let's clean up this gunk from all these right. generations of bad parenting. So, right, you are absolutely right. So I, I would say 80% of our work is de-education. Oh God, that's a big number. That's a big... 
eighty percent of our work is just basically trying to undo bad parenting to habits. Is to uneducate you, because what we do is whatever that fear that was instilled in you when you were a child, and mm -hmm. of course it's relational, because it, isn't it always? It's always relational, learn? yeah. All, we are social animals. It's always relational, and the worst thing is. You know, the first, the first relationship a baby has usually is his mother, right? Or the parents, the primary relationship, the primordial chi, if the mother during the pregnancy was unhappy or is a drug user or uh, being abused, all that is already set in the womb and the baby is born with that kind of energy. And, and mm -hmm. sometimes when the baby is born, the baby is separated from the mother. In the first, the first couple hours in the bonding, if that did not happen, the primordial qi, yuan qi, mm -hmm. is not being carefully transmitted to the baby. The baby is, is going to carry on growing up, missing that the essence that should have come from that transmission from mother to child. Right, and that, right. That's biological because father cannot give that to the child. Only mother can give it to the child because mother carried the child in the womb. And the, the good news is because that's why I think this hypnotherapy and energy medicine thing is so phenomenal because we go in and fix it at the spiritual level. Right. Right. Because the, so, the spiritual level, the spiritual level, when the when the baby is born, the spiritual level is entering into the baby at some point yes. in its creation. That and, moment when the soul comes into hmm. the body, if there's a disconnect, we can fix it hypnotically. Right. We right. can go back in the hypnotic space and fix it. Now, go sometimes. Time. Yes. And sometimes um, as we grow up and we have bad relationships or traumatic experiences as a child or as a grown up, and, and you break up with, with a, a, a husband or a, a friend or a partner, you may recover emotionally, mm -hmm. but there's a piece of you that you will never recover. Because a mm. bit of that, some of your spirit, your chi has been ripped out of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so unless we go back and recover that, I do a, a, a process called soul retrieval. Mm -hmm. We go back in hypnotic space and encounter and, and confront that, what, whoever that relationship is. And we recover the pieces of your soul that you have lost as a result of that breakup. And when you bring that back into the client in, in my soul retrieval process, you can actually see not only do they heal spiritually, you can see their countenance, their face, right. their body. They emerge from that trance looking different as well as feeling different. Right. And well, that's something that you just lift a burden off of their soul. Right, right. Well, that's why getting to the root cause of such conditioning is so important when working with clients using hypnosis or the eye um, change therapy uh, because I, I found that as well and I, and I know many of your students who who use your modalities in their practice have found it as well that 
a majority of the time, it's basically undoing conditioning that they picked up from their un, their parents' unconscious right. um, conditioning that they picked up from their parents' unconscious conditioning. Well, conscious they have good intentions, like I right. say. They have good intentions, but bad education. Right. So, so we, we don't need to fix their good intentions. We only need to fix the bad education by first undoing it and then teaching them the proper things they need right. to do. Teaching those, teaching them those coping skills and how to deal with life challenges much more healthy. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, that's one, one of the things that I really like about the eye change therapy is that um, instead of, I mean, yeah, you can use hypno, hypnotherapy or any kind of modality to kind of research consciousness and explore like your different timelines or bring people from the dead and so forth. But the biggest profound effect um, that I find from my research and from working with clients as well is exactly what you're saying. It is uncovering the root cause of how people see the world and how people see um, their place in the world. And a lot of it comes from those childhood traumas that they picked up unconsciously from um, their family upbringing. Um, but it's not too late. You can always go back and fix that part of your timeline. Um, well, the most wonderful thing is the hypnosis portion allows us to time travel. You yeah. know, sometimes you've had an unresolved relationship. The person might be long dead or long gone uh-huh. or inaccessible, uh-huh. right? You can go and spit on his grave. Or, <laughs> but you can bring him into your consciousness and, and resolve that conflict. Yeah, that's, I love comes, that part, yeah. Right. And, and the moment of peace that comes over the client when they have resolved those what they didn't even know sometimes is Mm -hmm. unresolved and when they're able to clean up such I call that spiritual junk Mm -hmm. spiritual clutter when we clean that up then you have clarity sometimes client calls me they call me Windex (laughs) so funny names (laughs) they call me many names usually uh, one of the the process I do at the end of the trance I would say and who do I remind you of something I learned from my teacher Gilboy his famous question who do I remind you of and the client who's still not completely out of trance state will look at me and say oh why did you ask such a question and sometimes they'll I've been called Yoda I've been called (laughs) uh, many things and and I think the funny thing is one client said you're just like Windex and said, oh, I'm not even blue. So how am I like Windex? And she said, I feel like you've just gone in and cleaned my windows because now I can see clearly mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. before me. I have not moved. I'm still here, but now I have a totally different perspective of what my life can be. Right. And then from, from then on, they can create their life a little bit more in a healthy manner. You know, um, aside from I change hypnosis, you also offer clinical hypnotherapy classes and medical hypnosis classes on your website. What is the difference between those two? And can you tell us a case that you worked on using any of these modalities? Well, so people, people know which like, you choose from, because there's a lot of different well, options. They're not really totally 
not very much different, except that the people like to call them different names. Mm. For example, medical hypnosis. If I can help you heal from a medical condition, you can call it medical hypnosis. That's true. Or, That's true. Isn't it true? Why it's true, it but true? you know, but the medical profession is not going to acknowledge that statement. No, no. They don't own the word. Yeah. That's true too. I'm not saying I'm going to kill you. We can't claim that. Now, let's say, for example, I had a client. She was in her 20s. She came to see me and she had 31 warts on her hands. Big, mm. ugly warts. Mm. She said, I have tried different things. I put acid. I've had surgery. They keep coming back. And she said, they're so bad. I am... I'm very embarrassed to shake hands with people. I certainly can't go and get my nails done because I don't want people to work on my hands and see that. And she was very self-conscious about that. So she came to see me. I saw her for three sessions and I taught her something about herself. So in her conversations, she said, I became a worry wart. And I said, how long ago have you started developing this? She said, two years ago. And I said, what happened two years ago? She got married and then she had a baby and she started uh -huh. worrying whether it happened. So she became a worry wart. And I said, oh, stop right there. You it manifested that, right? in her body. Yeah. Right. And it became right. somatic. So you, I don't care if you call it medical or whatever. It's, it's only a word. Mm -hmm. So the the energies have been transformed from an idea of worry into her body and it became a physical thing yeah so she thought about it thought about it thought about it she felt it all the time and well what just, what you can conceive and believe you can achieve right yes and so she manifested that was how it manifested so it in physical so i said the good news is since you created it you can uncreate it. You own the problem. You can disown the problem. Right. So I taught her how to live her life differently. So that's the whole I change therapy business, the, the language of change and how not to worry, how to cope with day-to-day -day stresses. In three months, she came back and I was teaching a, a clinical class and my students were there and she came and she showed her hands to my students. I pictures of her hands. Every single wart was gone. Mm, three months is all it took for three her. It, it took her three months, but she had to do something. I gave her homework to do, which she followed diligently. Every day she wrote three pages mm. in her notebook and learned how to cope with her new life as a young mother. Ah, oh, we go and back to... How to say no. Learn how to say no to the mother-in-law who wants to come and run her life with good uh -huh. intentions, but mm -hmm. bad education. So it came so back to learning life. To on her own feet. Right. Came back to learning coping skills, appropriate right. coping skills so, so for life challenges. She said, you know, Dr. Kuitamo then took away the what she's given me a new life. Mm -hmm. She's taught me a whole new way to live my life. And right. how wonderful is that? You know, I, I know she's yeah. out there somewhere. I'm sure she has other children now. And she's, you know, we all step into roles we're not prepared for. And I really don't think our schools today 
do the, the, the really good job of preparing our students. We're preparing our students to pass exams, yeah. but we're not really providing our students with skills that they can use right. to live a better life. Yeah, basic, basic life coping skills are not really taught in um, a lot of schools. So when, when people grow up and like, things in their life come up that are challenging they don't necessarily have the basic skills to learn how to adapt and work with uh the different well, things that they're I having have so clients from six to 76 mm -hmm. they're all the same mm. they pretty much suffer from the same ailment yeah and that's wow. why you ask what it is it's the fear of not being good enough Oh, and where does that stem from? That is humankind's worst fear. It's the fear of not being good enough, whether you're six or 60 or 86. You know, that's a really good point, Dr. Kuitai. Why do, why is it so prevalent for many people that they just do not feel like they're enough? Well, number one, I think as young children, they did not get much validation. You know, when we are kids and also school teachers, and I used to teach in the College of Education where my students go out to become school teachers. I say, you know, there are no stupid students, only stupid teachers. So never call your students stupid because mm. you are more stupid if you did that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's and true. and uh, I think our system teach us to tell students when they're wrong, but never telling them how to do it right. Mm -hmm. yeah. I remember as a young professor at the university, when I first came up to teach in the university, I have a student come up to me and say, oh, Dr. Neil, you, you took points off my essay here, here, and here, why? I said, wait a minute, excuse me. I said, I don't take points away. I said, you assume that when you hand me an essay that you've got 100 points and I start deducting. I said, when you hand me an essay, you have nothing. Zip. You have to add points. And I grade positively. I don't grade negatively. If you got 76 points, it means that you have 76 things I find meritorious. I did not take away the 24 points. You mm -hmm. assume you have a hundred, you've got nothing. So the notion of yeah. entitlement, you have to look at it from yeah, a, kind of like a half full, half empty perspective. Right. And I don't have either. I say it's the wrong size cup. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. So the idea is that our perspective is our truth. So if you hold something to be true because grandmother told you so, Right, you heard about the story about the, the grandmother. So this young wife had cooked an Easter ham and mm -hmm. the husband said, why did you cut off the end? And she says, I don't know. My mother always cut off the end. And so the mother-in-law came and the, the son-in-law said, why do you, your daughter say she did this because you did this? Why do you cut off the end of the ham? And the mother said, I don't know. My mother always did that. Uh -huh. Grandmother uh -huh. shows up, and so he asked the grandmother, and the grandmother laughed. He said, oh, that. Back in the day, I didn't have a pen big enough, so I always have to cut off the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, you see, yeah. 
I mean, that is a very benign example, but we hold so many beliefs mm-hmm. to be true when they need not be true. Right. Or sometimes if you say, oh, look at you, you and I have an Asian face and a person who's never seen an Asian face before and say, oh, that woman looks different from us. She must mm-hmm. be evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't look like us. She doesn't have blue eyes and blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I'm so we are scared. We're, We're scared, scared of the unknown. Yeah, and that that is also a very common thing too. Is 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 seeing differences, but I, I what I see is I see an opportunity to to have compassion for such a person who sees those differences, in that they were not taught that there is chi in all, and all is yeah. an aspect of chi. So that Which other is person. Buddhism is so one. I I like I like the teachings of Buddhism where we see the goodness in everyone. Yeah. There is goodness in everyone. And there is that we see the the light within you. Right, right. But I would also caveat to be a little bit mindful because just because you see that, the other person may still be a little bit um of a of a danger. So engage with respectful boundaries until you can um, engage with such people more closely without being hurt because some people um, they take their fear too strongly and they can be violent to others so there is well um, a level of respectful boundaries with some people it just really just depends on um, on how much fear that they have because somebody who lives in a lot of fear can also be a danger to themselves and to others as well right. because so, they're so closed off and the christians the bible says and god says fear not and what do we do we are so full of fear mm-hmm. we should fear less yeah we should fear less right? we should be fearless and look yeah good. i assume that everybody is good until they're not yeah 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 exactly um you know, I have another question. Now, your courses are offered on Zoom, which is great right now while we're all, you know, doing our different versions of the pandemic. And so now you and Dr. Steve Stork teaches them. And what can yeah. students expect when they take these courses from you two? They expect to work 10 times harder than if they were face to face with me. I know, I know, I know. I, I when I took your courses, I was all I took actually, I took a vacation just to take the courses. Well, the thing is, um, it's it started when last year. See, every year I teach a master class where I have hypnotherapists from all over the world. They come here for two weeks and train with me very intensely. We work ten hour days. Oh for two weeks you know you live and breathe it for, for two weeks mm-hmm. and this year even though they bought their air tickets nobody could come here I had students from Asia from Hong Kong from Australia from different parts of the United States nobody could get here right and so much as I resisted to do online training it it just happened and so it started with the uh 
conference in, in Florida, they had to turn it into a virtual conference. So we started by teaching a virtual conference and it worked out well. And then I was involved in uh, uh, serving on a board at a professional body and we had this board meeting for eight hours on Zoom. I said, how in the world are we going to do eight hours on Zoom? And you know what? It just went past. And, yep. and we did several several more days of training, um, eight hours, and we survived. You survived and, and then, you thrived. So it wasn't yes, that scary after all. The first time I did my master class, and what was a two-week course turned into a six-month course, and we met three hours every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, and then they did clinical practice uh, in between and they invite me to supervise on Zoom. And it was just hours and hours and hours. I never thought I could just sit there for hours. And you know, they didn't miss any classes. Everybody yeah. was there. Everybody was there and it was yeah. very intense. So it's, it's good, it works. And I started doing some, um, taking care of some clients on Zoom mm-hmm. and it works very well. And, and yeah. they say, oh gosh, yeah. I can feel it when you tap on my shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> distance, <laughs> yeah distance healing. Energy. It's true. Yes. You, could, yes. you could do the we same do energy the healing. The chi right. works through the internet just the same. It's totally true. Yes, yes. I used profound. to do phone work overseas. You know, I do, the, I do hypnosis by phone, but now I can actually see the person. Yeah, so you can kind of see their body and kind visual. of their expressions. Yeah, well, yeah. Sometimes I think um, visual is not terribly helpful sometimes. I'd rather do it with my eyes closed. And mm-hmm. literally, when I'm mm-hmm. doing transfer, I'm in trance with you and I'm doing it with my eyes closed. Mm-hmm. I, I can feel the energy with my eyes closed more intensely than with my eyes open is a distraction. Yeah, I can understand. I can definitely understand that. You know, um, one of the things that you do is you use dowsing rods to measure the health of your client's chakras. Can you yes. tell people about your dowsing rod um, courses that you offer as well? I think it's fabulous, by the way, because your energy field tells everything before you even open your mouth. Well, actually, I have my, my dowsing class starts. I have it's two classes. It starts Saturday. There are only two sessions. I teach you how to douse. Well, dowsing is about an external way of showing you how I measure energies. And I use it to douse your energy field. Mm-hmm. And I use it to douse your chakras to see if there are any blockages. Chinese people believe that if you're not feeling well, it's because your meridians are blocked. Mm-hmm. Your energy channels are blocked. And so if we clear those channels, you will feel better. And sometimes it would involve me whacking you. Of course, my students say, oh, we want to be there face to face. We want you to whack us. And sometimes I might just, sometimes you can feel in the back of a person. Uh I can use hands and feel that you, like I say, the energy when it's so stagnant, it's somatic, there's been knots in your body that Mm -hmm. I literally have to use my hand to push it out. Yeah. I kind of secretly think that you actually enjoy you can actually, I think you secretly enjoy <laughs> whacking the tea out. It takes a lot of it. I don't like to do that uh, very often, but because it, it really takes a lot out of me. Mm. And um, so I do it only if I have to. 
sometimes a client is so stuck that that's that's the quickest way to get them out of their funk is to mm -hmm. whack them. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you know when you do the the, the when you use the dowsing rods to kind of measure the different meridians or different chakra points to see which one's imbalanced, do you find certain ones that are imbalanced completely relate to the issue that they came to you originally to uncover? Like let's say they had like mommy or daddy issues and they can't talk their voice. They have a hard time talking their voice or speaking their talk. And that that's the part that is locked. Do you find some kind of correlation? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Usually when they come to me, if, I, if I'm dousing their energies, I tell them not to tell me what's wrong with them. The mm -hmm. rods will tell me what's wrong with them. And then I would go through, you know, first I would measure their chakras and and see which chakra is blocked and then we'll sit down and talk about it and they will tell me wow yeah yep 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 sometimes most of them they come in there maybe they have everything blocked sometimes they may have one or two blocked and at the end of the session i measure them again and see how how many chakras they cleared yeah can you tell us an example i love that method by the way that's what I learned so much with that course. Um, but can you tell us an example of how, of, of uh, one of these cases so that people can understand the correlation? Okay, for example, um, my, I had a couple clients who had breast cancer. Okay. Breast cancer, they usually have the heart chakra blocked because this is the heart chakra is right here in the center of your sternum between your boobs. Not, not on, not like, you know, not, like with the, not, here. not, not with like the, the American flag, your heart, hand on your heart. This is your middle dantian, okay. right? Upper dantian, middle dantian, lower dantian is uh, uh, Sanskrit, anahat. This mm -hmm. is your, mm -hmm. your, for your chakra, the heart, your chakra, heart your chakra. Heart chakra. Right, this right. is the center, it's the center. And usually the, the, okay, for example, if the heart chakra is blocked for a very long time, and that's in energy terms, it translates, I relate your energy systems with your relationships, because life is about relationships, without yep. relationship, you have no life, right? That's true. So, so the heart chakra blockage, Let's say if, the, if the, the woman comes, the female client in heart chakra blockage, it tells me that if your heart chakra is blocked, you have a challenge in accepting love or giving love mm -hmm. or both. Mm -hmm. Women in particular are very good at giving love because it's in our nature. We are right. mothers, right? But they're not very good at giving love to themselves mm. and so they stuff it up and it's all blocked and in extreme cases you know it can turn somatic into breast cancer mm -hmm. and when we clear that is it makes a big difference and in the healing of the breast cancer do they just recover faster yes mm. Mm -hmm. i actually had one client um she had to have a double mastectomy mm. 
And I did a session with her and I said to her, I said, now, tomorrow, the surgeon's going to remove both your breasts. I said, today, I'm going to have you energetically clean up all the bad energies in your system and pack it in your boobs. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So tomorrow, when the surgeon remove your breasts, you will have no more ugliness in your life, in your body. Mm. We're going to put all the ugliness in your life, in your breasts. And you have no more need for them. They're going tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So we did a whole cleanup and pack it all in like a bag. Turn them into vacuum cleaner bags, right? Okay. So then, then I said, now tomorrow, after the mastectomy, it means you have no more ugliness in you. Now, what would you be then? What and do you want to be? Yeah. Suddenly she says, oh my gosh, if I have no ugliness, I will be beautiful. She says, I'm going to be beautiful. And then she started screaming, I'm going to be beautiful. Yeah. So, so you turn you turn a disaster into an opportunity mm-hmm. because in Chinese there are two words that speak about crisis Weiji means danger and opportunity mm-hmm. you turn that dangerous event into an opportunity to rise up and shine right. um, yes of course she had her heart chakra completely blocked yeah, yeah. so we cleared that chakra and um, I was there, did, I did a pre-surgical procedure, I did a post-surgical procedure. The nurses in the hospital were very nice. They even gave me a private room for me to do to work on my client. Oh, and wow. Then, yes, That's nice. and then I was there when she did, when I was there when she did her chemo. And I was right beside her with a row of people and I was just doing my, my thing. And everybody else benefited. Mm-hmm. And the nurse said, Oh, if it sounds so good. I want to lay down on the floor. And then <laughs> you know, I've seen I've seen those healing circles at, at the hospitals, and I'm always like, "Hey, can can I join too?" Yeah. <laughs> I, I love those. Yes, um, I, I and, and experience we can all it. do that. It's not difficult. That's why I wish more people would learn this mm-hmm. to to just promote the the notion of compassion. And meditation and letting go, letting Let go, go of fear, Let letting go. go of fear, detaching from fear. Now, if you go to my website, over the COVID, I recorded, I did some Sunday Zoom sessions that are free and it's all recorded. You can look. I have three sessions of meditation, of Buddhist meditation, you can join. Um, and uh, it's called um, so How to Stay Calm in the Midst of Crisis. There are three parts, three, right. three sessions. And everybody's welcome to join. But the thing is, if we can make a small difference every day in one person. You know, when I first started this hypnotherapy practice, you asked me in the beginning, how did I get involved in this? I was a university professor. I was the department chair of health studies. And one day I realized I climbed the wrong mountain. It wasn't enough. And mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was going to do. Yeah. I just have an epiphany. I have the story in, in my book um, that I just knew I have to stop doing that. 
So I quit my job with no idea what I was going to do. And my dean said, you are mad. Nobody <laughs> does that. I said, well, you have tenure and you have a great. Yes, I had a great job. I had a great job. I was department chair, you know, mm. and uh, I just walked away. She said, you're mm. mad. I said, mm. you know, I felt very good. I felt very calm. I said, maybe I should be scared that I'm not scared. Yep, yep. I was not scared. It was a very soulful decision. I said, I know God or the universe will show me the next step. I don't know what, but I plan to trust it completely. Mm -hmm. And I must have gone mad. All my friends thought I'd gone mad. You don't work so hard and get to be department chair and just walk away. I did. Mm -hmm. I just walked away. And then hypnotherapy found me. And I yeah. knew. I knew in my soul that's the thing to do. Yeah. And it's not about making a lot of money, although I must say that over the last 16 years, I've done very, very well. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you have a very infectious personality and you teach extremely well. Oh, thank you. So, well, thank uh, you. yeah. I'm a teacher. Yeah. Yes. And well, definitely. And the teacher, a good teacher will teach the students and the students will take them and they will apply and make it their own. And you made, you took hip, your, the principles of hypnotherapy that you learned and you made it your own. You applied energy healing, you applied, um, you know, Chinese energy medicine into it. And you also applied Qigong into your practice. So how do you apply Qigong in your practice? Well, qigong is uh, qi, of course, the word qigong means work. You have to work at clearing your qi. So qigong is, is a series of physical movements that help you clear your energies and help you cultivate your energies. And so, well, it, it, it is perfect. It's exactly what you need to do. If you're a gardener, you need to go weed, right? Mm-hmm. You need to weed, you need to trim your, your plants. I'm a gardener, come see my garden sometime, right? <laughs> and you have to work, you have to get your hands in the dirt. And qigong, just talking about qi is not good enough. And meditation is good to clear it meditatively. But sometimes we need to physically move our bodies. Yeah, the qi wants to move around. Qi wants to move around. There's the qi, move. Stuck yeah. qi is bad qi. Yeah. And the people say, is that bad chi? Yes, the chi that doesn't move is bad chi. Yeah, it wants to so move. Divide, you know, this whole idea, we don't have time to talk about feng shui, maybe another time. But I'd just like to mention the third piece is the environmental chi that we, we talk about. You know how you everybody has this intuitive sense. You walk in a building, you can sense something sinister if you, there's something sinister mm -hmm, going mm -hmm. on. Yeah, the bad, the negative energy. You can like, ooh. Right. Or good chi or sometimes now come into my house, come into my therapy room. You will feel good instantly because it's feng shui correct. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you rearrange your space so that energy flows and and your body flows better and buying properties we are also property investors i most of the properties i purchase i purchase within the first 10 minutes i know this is the right one and i'll make a i'll make an offer yeah, you know, that's a really good point because people do that in, in the way that they pick houses and then, but then yeah. they, they know instantly that they, this is not going to be the one, but yet they'll still pursue it. 
and then maybe even like buy it knowing that it's not the one and people do that with their career they do that when they when they're dating people like why would you right. waste your time with somebody that you know that you're not interested in well that's waste your why, time? because they have no clarity mm. if you have no clarity you will have doubt so if you know what to say yes save the to, heartache <laughs> yeah if you know what to say yes to it's easy to say no to all the things that don't fit uh and so yeah. a lot of this work is to clearing the clutter and helping the client have a sense of clear vision of who she is so that she can honor that, that soul within her. That's mm -hmm. this whole business is all the work we do. I tell my students is a three-way sacred contract mm -hmm. between you, client, and God. I simply say God in a very universal sense mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it's easy as three words you spell it backwards or forwards is still a good word right yeah and dog i love dogs <laughs> so i say it's, it's a good word either way and you have to believe in something bigger than yourself mm -hmm. because if you don't you're full of yourself and we are so limited as human beings, we are so limited. So the whole idea is to help the client get rid of all the riffraff, all the clutter that, that ails you, find a sense of cleanliness and simplicity, and, and then move in, in a very clear path. You know where to right. go. You know what to say no to. You know, you don't even need your dowsing rods. After a while, you know, I tell my students, you don't need your dowsing rods because my hands become my dowsing rods. Yeah. I yeah. said, I use the dowsing rods to show. I don't know. People have never seen dowsing rods. Yes, yeah, please show it to them. And and you're you're exactly right. Your hands become a dowsing rod. You eventually get to the point where you can just kind of see or sense which is in balance. But for the point of the client, it, they like yes. to see it. So you do it for it's the client. Visual. Yeah, it's visual. Can you see? Yep. Right. They're right. like ten dollars on eBay, everybody. <laughs> no, they're not. Not these. Not these. I got no. the same one. They, they, there's different stores, but yes. Be careful how you buy your. These are sacred tools. Be careful how you buy your. Don't buy secondhand rods. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, unless you know how to cleanse them. But that's another story. But anyway, I wouldn't say ten dollars on eBay on these. Good for you if you did. So yeah, I got I I, I got it on a bit a bid. They were much uh -huh. higher, but I got them on bid. But just for people who are not lucky enough to get a good winning bid on um on that, what are some recommendations for buying a good dowsing rod set? You can contact me. We sell these for $88. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um it's a good visual. It's interesting when I do a conference, I have a table, people see me use it, they come buy it, and then they don't know how to use it. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's a nice idea. You have a car. Okay, I go buy me a car, but now I've got me a car and I've got the keys of what do I do with it next. <laughs> but it's it's just like I bought, Instapot. I bought this Instapot. It's been sitting on my shelf. And now I, yeah. I'm a very fast cook, you know, I can get a pot of soup faster than you can cook it on the Instapot. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. take my pot away to my daughter. I said, nah, I don't have time for this. So, yeah. Um, so many things we can learn and many things we can learn to unlearn. 
Right, right. Yeah, you know, um, not to get too far into the feng shui, but but just to touch on that course offering. Um, now, you studied feng shui from the Black Sec Esoteric Buddhism teachings through the late Grandmaster Lee in San Francisco. And I think his daughter um, teaches it now in, in that, that uh, sect. Can you tell us what people can expect to learn from your feng shui courses if they choose to take that? Well, uh, the feng shui course I teach is, yes, is the BTB, but what is different is um, Grandmaster Lin was the one who brought it to United States, and he's passed on now. I, I studied with him. I had the privilege of meeting him and, and learning from him, um, and he has taught many people in this country. What is practical to me is the BTB feng shui deal with energies rather than if your house is facing the wrong direction and your door is not right for you, you have to move the door, it's not practical. We can't move buildings, but we can move energies. Now there are times when you can't move the energies, then I would recommend you to leave the building, very rare. but. Mm -hmm there are opportunities where you just don't want to deal with it. So it's a course where we, that's why for me, I add dowsing to it because we can use the dowsing rods to detect geopathic energies. And so for my feng shui students, it's a requirement that you take the dowsing course from me because I do dowsing a certain way. You have learned from many teachers and it works fine, but if you want to learn my system, you have to learn my system. So they, they are taking the dowsing course from me. And then from there, we are going to apply it when we're actually doing the feng shui. And when we do this particular feng shui course, you are to bring your blueprints of one building you want to feng shui. You can use your workspace or your living space, we only have time to do one. So you bring the plat map uh, blueprints of your home, if you like, or your, your office building. And then as I teach, we, we do it experientially. I teach you how to do it and everybody is working on their own projects. And then I also go over their projects. So it's, it's a great deal because Let's say you bring your house prints to the class and you get the whole thing done. It, the cost of the class is less than if you hire me to film to your house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you and, learn how to do it yourself. And, and you could do it. You know, what I will say about your courses is uh, I've come across a lot of different modalities um, and all of them are unique and they found different ways to connect to the chi energy or consciousness or god whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, it's all the same thing and um but you offer so many great little courses that people can kind of and even a lot of complimentary free ones that um that people can kind of you know kind of start off with and then they can you know work into other courses so um it can be a little bit overwhelming uh for for people coming into it but i think people are going to go 
to kind of gravitate to the one that's going to fit them at the time and then learn that and then you can use it in your life and in the people around you. Now, I have one last message for you, Dr. Kritai. Do you have a last message that you want to leave people in changing times? Sorry, ask that again. Do you have a last message that you want to leave people in turbulent times? Okay, very simply, when things go crazy, take a moment, be still, and take three long, deep breaths. Breathe. So when in trouble, stop and breathe and be quiet and the answers will come to you very good very very wise advice well dr kritai i love that you bring the ancient energy uh, medicine modalities of the east and then you fused it with western hypnotherapy practices in your courses and in your books and you guys she even has a book that she wrote on how to have a successful hypnosis practice as well so if you're going into this wondering how do i how do i make a little supplemental income or make it more than that she has a book dedicated to that and it's a wonderful read as well um so with that thank you so much for a fun interview and for more information about dr kuitai's offerings and her wonderful courses that she offers on her website she actually has two websites you guys Please. it's or three. Oh my goodness. You couldn't tell me the third one. Um, but the first one is Dr. Kui Tai, which is D-R-K-W-E-E-T-H-A-I.com. And then the second one is I Health Therapies, which is I, and then the word health, H-E-A-L-T-H Therapies, T-H-E-R-A-P-I-E-S.com. <laughs> and what is Good the job. third one? What is the third one for people? We still have the hypnotherapy school up. Yeah. Yes, the iHealthHypnotherapySchool.com, where you will see my curriculum uh, all, and the courses listed there. Yeah, and and all I've taken a couple of her courses, people. It is a really you will learn something. You'll pick up some stuff for your and uh, for yourself to add into um, your everyday and in, into the practices that you. Um, you know, offered to people as well. So they're really, really fabulous and lots of fun too. Um, lots of really good energy. So anyways, with that, thank you so much for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. Thank you. Thank you, Vaughn, and happy mothering. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.